All right, so we're going to start here on the bottom of Yud Ben Bed by the Mishnah. Mishnah says, Maskirin Yitziat Mitzrayim Beledot. One has to mention the Yitziat Mitzrayim at night. Amar of Elazar Ben Azariah, this should be familiar to us because it's mentioned on the Seder night in the Haggadah. Harei Ani Kaven Shivim Shana. I'm as if I am 70 years old. Belo Zachiti Shitayamar Yitziat Mitzrayim Beledot. I was not able to know where the source was for the fact that we say Yitziat Mitzrayim at night. Achid Rasha Ben Zoma. So Ben Zema came along and explained, One must remember the exodus from Egypt, all the days of your life. The May are the days of your life, so you have to remember it every day. Ko is a reboy to say even more than just the days of your life. comes to include the nights. comes to include not only now, but even in the future. Why would we mention Yitziat Mitzrayim in the future? It already says the Pasuk in Yemiyahu, There'll be these days that come in the future where we no longer will say, Wow, this is the God that took B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. But rather, But rather, the new Geula will be paramount and primary, and we will speak about the Shem who took us out of those northern lands and all the other lands where they've been dispersed. So it sounds from here that praise will be to the Shem who brings in or gathers in the exiles from where they are today. Yitzhak Mitzrayim will be almost irrelevant at that point in time because you will only focus on the new Geula, which will be much greater and much more extreme in its form. Yitzhak Mitzrayim is not going to be mentioned as the Pasuk says. Lo yomru od. They will no longer talk about Hashem who took us out of Mitzrayim, but rather about that which is current. So Amru lo, they said back to him, lo That doesn't mean that the exodus will be as if it's non-existent anymore. Rather, there's going to be a primary and secondary. The primary talk and the primary the praise of Hashem will be for the Geula that's taking place then, but that doesn't mean that the praise for Geulat Mitzrayim won't still exist or won't still be relevant. Kiyotzibo, and now they bring an example to this. Hashem promises Yaakov that his name will be changed now. He will no longer be called Yaakov, but rather Yisrael. It's not that the name Yaakov will no longer be used. El Yisrael Ikar. Israel will be the primary name of Yaakov, Yaakov Tafelo, and Yaakov will be the secondary name. And they bring proof to that. Says, don't remember that which took place in the early years. And the early days, don't think about them anymore. Don't mention that which took place, all of the exiles that took place. And don't think about that which took place in the yesteryear, that is Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So you see that the Pasuk says that we're not going to remember it. The continuation of that Pasuk, there's a Pasuk we just quoted was Pasuk Yudchat. The next Pasuk is Pasuk Yudchat. And there it says, I'm going to bring around a new reality. Tani Rav Yosef, what's this referring to? Zub Milchamet Gogumago. What is this like? Adam walking along the road and he bumps into a wolf. and then he saved from him. Anytime he bumped into, he talked about this incident with the wolf. then he bumped into a lion. and he was saved from a lion. After that, anybody bumped into, and all he talked about was the incident with the lion. After that, he bumps into a snake. and he was saved. He forgot about the wolf and the lion. And all he spoke about was the incident with the snake. The latter difficulties caused the earlier difficulties to disappear and be forgotten about. But again, this is not something where we won't mention them or we won't talk about them. They'll just pale in comparison to that which is happening now. So it's not no Yitziat Mitzrayim anymore. It's just rather... There will be other things to talk about that will be much more relevant, topical, and more, I guess, extreme in their form. And therefore, they're going to get the primary focus and the limelight. And Yitzhak Mitzrayim will take a back seat. But again, the idea being that there is no elimination of Yitzhak Mitzrayim over here. And that's what the Rabbanan are saying back to Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. 
there is Yitziat Mitzrayim Latid Lavo, even though it's of only secondary importance. Now, the Gemara is going to move on to discuss that this isn't always true. Here we discuss the fact that when you change a name, for instance, Yaakov's name was changed to Yisrael, yet his original name remained in place. We have other names that were changed, and when they were changed, they were permanently changed, that they never go back. And that is Avram, who Avraham, it's mentioned in Divrei Yamim. Avram is the same as Abraham. We know that Hashem changed Avram's name to Abraham. Betchila, in the beginning, was called Avram Nase Avdi Aram, because he was a leader of his nation, of Aram. As Rashi says of Yerushim, Eretz Aram Haya, he was from Eretz Aram. Now, there is a machloket in the Rishonim as to where Avram was actually born. And the Rishonim debate this pretty heatedly in Sefer Breshit, about whether he was born in Ur Kazdim, or he was born in Aram Naraim. Rashi here brings some of the proofs to the fact that he was born in Aram, or that it sounds like he was born in Aram. Either way, the Gemara's Darshing Avram, where Avram resided for a number of years, was that he was Av the Aram, Ulusof. When he added on the hay, he became Av the Cholo Olam. The additional hay made him a broader figure of prominence within the world. Sarai, he's Sarah. Same thing with Sarai Yimeinu. Her original name was Sarai. Hashem changes it to Sarah. At first she was just a princess, a leader over her nation. And Rashi says Sarai is Lashon Yachid, Lashon Sariti. And then afterwards when she was changed to Sarah, Sarah the Chol Ha'ulam Kula. Sarah being the princess or the matriarch of the entire world. And so here we have changes in names where Avram was changed to Avraham, Sarai changed to Sarah, where those names were changed permanently, and after they were changed, we do not see the old name in use at all. Now here it's because there is a significant change in the standing of the individual between the two names. Avram to Avraham and Sarai to Sarah, the way the Gemara is dashing it now, has significance that's irreversible. And that's why you can't go back. Those changes are, in a sense, irreversible because their standing and stature has changed based on the name change. That's not true by Yaakov and Yisrael. Yaakov and Yisrael, while they have different meanings and they have implications in terms of stature, in terms of standing, nevertheless, Yaakov and Yisrael, Yaakov still remains the patriarch, the father of, of the Yud Shvatim, just like Yisrael was. The change wasn't as significant that we see between Avram and Avraham and Sarai and Sarah. And therefore, the name change by Sarai and Avram is permanent, which is not the case by Yaakov. So by Yaakov, the name change from Yaakov to Israel is of less significance in terms of the change. And therefore, that change becomes primary and secondary versus Abraham and Sarah, where it becomes a permanent change. And so permanent that we have the next line in the Gemara, which is Tani Bar Kapara, Kola Korel Avram, Avram, Over Anybody who uses the term Avram to describe Abraham has violated a positive commandment. The Torah says that your name will now be Avraham. In violation of a negative commandment, that they will not call you any longer Avram. If someone goes and speaks about Sarah and calls her Sarai, that would be the same thing. Over there, God speaks to Avram and says, There, it's not a command, it's not a tzivui in the text. When it comes to Avram's name, the text is giving a tzivoy as to what the status of Avram's name is. And then by Sarai, it's not a tzivoy to the reader, it's rather a narrative of Hashem's conversation with Avram and saying that your wife will no longer be called Sarai, but rather Sarah. And therefore we do not bring the same conclusions from the pasuk of Lotikra will be a Lotase like we say by Avraham. Elimiata, Akreli Yaakov, Yaakov Hachanami. So why don't you say the same thing by Yaakov? There we do have the Pasuk, which it says, So why don't we say there that there's a Lotaseh? It says, Over there it's different, because the Pasuk itself calls Yaakov, Yaakov again. When Yaakov is going down to Mitzrayim, and he stops in Be'er Shev, and Hashem appears to him, it says, So he speaks to Israel, which is his new name, He calls him Yaakov, Yaakov. So you see, the Pasuk itself, after changing his name, goes back and calls him Yaakov. That's almost like a heter uh, to call him Yaakov. So, Meti Rabbi Yossi Avin, if you're right about Avraham, what do we say in the every morning? So we call him Avraham every morning. So how could that be? And that's a Navi. 
who called Avraham, Avraham, obviously years later. Over there, the Navi is laying out the praises of Akkadosh Baruch Hu, about that, what had, that which had transpired in the past, in the history. And so therefore, it's just, it's a narrative of the history. It's not calling Avraham, Avram. It's just giving you the background to that which happened. His name was once Avram, and now it is Avraham. And even in the context of the Pasuk there, which the Gemara could have answered, the Pasuk is telling you that they switched the name from Avram to Avraham, just like when we're reading in the Gemara, it's not problematic for us to say Avram when we're saying that the Gemara says it's changed to Avraham. And same thing when you read it in the Torah like that. That The fact that the Navi mentions it, it's not because they're calling him Avram, but rather they're giving a history or the historical context in which this all transpired. The fact that the Navi termed him as Avram should be a matir for us to also term him as Avram. No, that's not a matir. It's not that they're using his name again. It's just giving a historical narrative about what transpired. It's not a reset or usage of his name in a new context. Unlike what happened with Yaakov, where God is speaking to Yaakov and calling him Yaakov after he already changed his name, which is clearly a matir or a reset for the name. Right? As far as the conclusion of this parak, parak here concludes that we have to mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim in the morning and night, according to Rebbe Lezer ben Azariah. According to Chachamim, you have to mention it during the day. But at night you do not have to mention it because that's the Mota Mashiach. So if you have a machloket between the Chachamim and Belazer ben Azariah, generally we would pass in like the Chachamim. Halacha should be like the Chachamim that you only mention Yitzit Mitzrayim during the day and not during the night. Which is interesting because our practice is actually to mention and to say Yitzit Mitzrayim at night as well. Because we, when we say Shema, have all three parshiot of Shema, Vayayim Shemoa, and Yitziat Mitzrayim. The Rambam explicitly mentions this, that Kriyat Shema, or what's called Shema, includes all three parshiot. And we mentioned this in the introduction to Masachet Brachot, about what is exactly the mitzvah of Shema. Over there, the Rambam seems to indicate that there are three parshiot of Shema, that is Shema, Vayayim Shemoa, and then the parsha Vayomer. And according to the Rambam, you have to say Shema, Shoch B'chov Kumecha. That means that all three parshiot get mentioned in both places. The Ramam does seem to indicate that there is an issue of mentioning Yitzhak Mitzrayim both during the day and at night. On the other hand, in the Shulchan Aruch, there is no mention with regards to Yitzhak Mitzrayim at night. Shulchan Aruch does mention the Mitzvah when it comes to the morning, that you do have to, during the day, mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim. At night, even though he speaks about Kriyachma generally, he does not speak about there being a specific or particular Mitzvah to mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim at night. And that would make sense, according to what our Mishnah lays out over here, that the Yaloch is like the Chachamim, that the din of saying Yitzhak Mitzrayim is only during the daytime, not at night, and therefore the Shulchan Aruch does not mention it, or does not bring it down as a specific Kiyuv of mentioning Yitzhak Mitzrayim at night. On the other hand, our practice still is to say Yitzhak Mitzrayim at night, and to put the Parsha of Ayomer in. That we know, like the Rambam seems to indicate that's true, the question of why we have to leave, we'll leave to the next parak. The next parak will deal with why we have these three parshiot. In that context, either later on today's daf or maybe on the next day's daf, I'll mention why maybe we have the practice to say Yitzhak Mitzrayim, despite the fact that the halacha might be like the Chachamim over here. Okay, now we're beginning the new parak. He's reading through the Torah, and it comes to the time when it's his man to read Kriyachma. If he has particular kavanah, intent for the mitzvah, then he's fine, he's yotzei the mitzvah. But prokim, now the Mishnah moves over to another topic, which is interruptions in Shema. But prokim, when he's in between paragraphs in Shema, and that's also between the brachot, shu'el mipnei kavod umeshiv. He's allowed to address someone who he is generally required to give honor to, and if that person addresses him, he can respond to them. If they say Shalom Aleichem, he can say Aleichem Shalom, he can respond to them. Be'emtza, if he's found between, meaning in the middle of a paragraph of the Shema, or in the middle of the Brachot of Kriyat Shema, Shuel he's allowed to greet someone who, if he doesn't greet them properly, will kill him, or could kill him. Umeshiv, and he can respond to such an individual if they greet him. Divi Rabbi Meir. So Rabbi Meir, and we'll see this in the Gemara later on, basically says that there are only two levels here. There's Kavod and Yira. When it comes to Kavod, Kavod only applies when you're in between paragraphs or in between Brachot. And Yira applies throughout Kriyat Shema. You can interrupt any time to save your life in order to respond or even to greet such an individual. Rabbi Hudon, on the other hand, says that there's a skew here. Rabbi Hudon Meir, Be'emtza Shuel Mipnei Yira. Just like Rabbi Meir, if you're found in the middle of Kriyat Shema, you can even greet someone when it comes to fear. But you also, according to Rabbi Yudah, may be meshiv mipnei You can respond to someone who normally you have to 
give honor to, if they greeted you, then you can respond in kind with a greeting, even though you're in the middle. Uber prakim, when you're in between the parashiot, or in between the brachot, then you're shuel mipneakavod, similar to Rabbi Meir, but you're also allowed to meshiv shalom dechuladam, you can respond to anybody. Anybody who's greeted you, you can respond to them in those positions. So Yehuda is more lenient in terms of responses versus greetings. In greetings, he agrees with Rabbi Meir. You can greet Mipnei Yira anywhere. You can greet Mipnei Kavod in between the paragraphs. But when it comes to the responses or responding to someone's greeting, Rabbi Meir says it's on the same level as you greeting someone else. As Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you get an extra level there. So therefore, when you're in the middle of the paragraphs, you're allowed to respond to Mipnei Kavod. And even when you're in between the paragraphs, you can respond Mipnei Shalom to anyone, to any person. So now the Gemara defines for us what's Elohim ben Aprakim. What does it mean between between the paragraphs here? So ben bracha between Yotzer Amiorot to Avaraba, between the first bracha and the second bracha. Ben Shnia the Shema, between Abu Cherba Moisel Be'ava to the beginning of Shema. Ben Shema the Vayayim Shema, Tavdam Amazob Be'techo Vishracha, then Vayayim Shema in between those two. Ben Vayayim Shema the Vayomer, between the end of Vayayim Shema, Kimei Shemaim Arts, and then Vayomer. That's in between a paragraph. Ben Vayomer the Emet Viyatsiv, and then after Hashem Lokechem, and then Emet Viyatsiv, between those you can separate. Rabbi Yehuda Mer, Ben Vayomer the Emet Viyatsiv, Lo Yafsik. Rabbi Yehuda says you may not interrupt between Hashem Lokechem to Emet Viyatsiv. Remember, in the Torah, all that's found is Ani Hashem Lokechem. Emet Viyatsiv is a new tefillah, it's the letter bracha that is found in Birkat Kriyachma, bracha of Geula. It starts out, Emet Viyatsiv. Rabbi says we must connect between the two of them. Lo Yafsik, you're not interrupt them. And that's our practice, which is Ani Hashem Lokechem. We say Emet. We put the Emet together with it. And that might have to do with what I mentioned in yesterday's daf, that when it comes to Kabbalat Oma Chuchamayim, the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, even though we attribute that to the paragraphs of Shema, Vahavta, and Vayayim Shemoa, and Vayomer, nevertheless, in the end, those are just quotes of Sukim from the Torah. The affirmation of that Kabbalah is really brought about by the paragraph afterwards, which is Emet, V'yatsiv, V'nachon, V'kayam. All those are describing our acceptance of the Kabbalah Tol Machut Shemayim. It's really the Kabbalah Tol Machut Shemayim because there we affirm what we said beforehand in our own words. We're affirming it rather than quoting psukim that seem to indicate our necessity for us to be mikabel umachut shemaim. Amar Yeshua ben Karcha, Lama kodma parshat shema levayim shema. Why does shema come first and then vayim shema? Kedeli shikabel lav umachut shemaim tchila. The shema has the fundamentals of accepting the yoke of heaven, the basics of shema Yisrael Hashem Akeno Hashem Echad, Avat Hashem Yirat Hashem. Vachakach mukabel lav umitzvot. Vayayim Shemoa discusses the necessity to accept all the mitzvot, to listen to Hashem, to do all the mitzvot. So that's secondary to Kabbalat Oma Akut Shemaim, therefore it comes afterwards. And then Vayayim Shemoa, Vayomer, Shemayayim Shemoa, Heg Ben Bayom Ben Belayla. Vayayim Shemoa has relevance both in day and night. Talks about mitzvot, talks about Limura Torah, all these things that have application equally during the day and during the night. Versus the Vayomer, which is speaking about Sitzit, which is It's only relevant during the day, or it's only relevant to Ksut Yom, to daytime clothing. However you formulate it, because it says, You have to be able to see the Tzitzit, and then you'll remember. So it's only relevant to see when it's light outside. When it's dark outside, it's no longer relevant to see. So that's why with the hierarchy, in terms of laying out the Parshiot, Raised from Mishma, Vayayim Shemo, and then Vayomer is because of this hierarchy within them about the importance of that which is mentioned. Kabbat Omachut Shemaim, then Kabbat Omitzvot, and then Tzitzit, which is only relevant during the day and not at night. Shema Mina. The Gemara says we can come to one simple conclusion from our Mishnah, which is Mitzvot, Tzrichot, Kavana. Because that Mitzvot must need a Kavana. Because over here you're saying that if he was reading the Torah, and then Zaman Kriyat Shema came, Im Kiven Libo. If he had kavanah, if he had proper intent at that time, yotzah. Implying that if he did not have proper intent, he would not be yotzeh. When it says, easy conclusion here, machloket and Rosh Hashanah, Rova speaks about it, about mitzvot ain't tzvichot kavanah. Over here it seems pretty clear from this mission that mitzvot tzvichot kavanah. May im kivin libo, likrot. That means to read it. The Gemara rejects that assumption. The kavanah is the kavanah to be yotzeh, the mitzvah, but rather the kavanah here is to read it. Gemara says, the quote, vakakari. What do you mean? He's already reading it. That's exactly what it said. Hayakoreba Torah. He's already reading it. What do you mean he has kavanah to read it? He is reading. Gemara says, no. The korela gia. When he's originally reading it, he was reading it in order to check it. Gia means to check it. Here you have differences in the Rishonim. For instance, Rashi and the Tamidu Reino Yonah 
explain Gia over here. Either, as Rashi says, he reads it in order to check that everything is fine in here. The way the Tobina Riona say that they take out two Sfarim. He reads from one and then he reads from the other, reads from one, reads from the other. So that's the God that's going on over here. Tosafot, on the other hand, says, what's the big deal? Even if he's reading like that, he's still reading. So Tosafot, on the other hand, explains, Korela Agia is that he, he reads it as a Ktiv and not a Kri. He does not follow the Nikudot because he wants to make sure the letters are correct. And so therefore he pronounces the words the way they are written, not the Mesorah they have, that we have in order to read them according to the Nikudot or the Trap that we have for each one of them. And so that's why he's not Yotze, because he's not reading it like it should be. And Tosafot gives examples of words where you would read them differently, like for instance, Mizuzot, which is spelled with one Vav and not Malay in both places. And so then you would read it instead of Mizuzot, you read it Mizuzat, because there you want to make sure that you wrote it correctly with one Vav and not two Vavs. So when you say Mizuzat, you're not Yotze, because you're reading the incorrect word, and that's what he says that it means the Korel Hagia. In terms of Kavanah, Mitzvot Tzrichot Kavanah, this turns out to be major Machloket Rishonim, what we do in the end. Shochan Aruch in Aruchayim in Chilkot Kriyachma Siman Samach says in Siv Dalid Yeshomrim she ain't mitzvot tzrichot kavana Yeshomrim she tzrichot kavana let's say pesiata otah mitzvah v'chena lacha. Some people say that mitzvot tzrichot kavana and that would be same would be true here by Kriyachma you would require kavana and then there are some that say mitzvot einan tzrichot kavana. Now as the Mishnah Berurah points out over here, there's two types of kavana that we're speaking about here. Kavanah in terms of being Yotzei the Mitzvah, and that's what's being discussed here. Do you have to have active Kavanah that you are intending to Mikayim a Mitzvah now? But there's also a Kavanah, which is basic Kavanah for what you're saying, what you're doing, that you know that you're taking an action, that you know that you're saying words and your mind's not floating somewhere else. Over there, everybody agrees L'Chadchila, you need that type of Kavanah in order to be Yotzei. The only Machloket, only issue being discussed over here by the Shulchan Aruch is whether you need active kavanah in order to be yotzei the mitzvah. And the Shokhanach concludes over here that mitzvot tzrichot kavanah v'chein alocha, and that is alocha. Now the Achronim discuss exactly what that means, and we also have a position here that even though in general mitzvot ain't tzrichot kavanah, nevertheless, maybe here by kriyachma and mitzvot that deal with amira, there might be a different din because the whole mitzvah revolves around that amirah and that kavanah. You can't have a kiyom when the whole kiyom is believe and is in the amirah when you don't have kavanah to do that. Just saying words cannot be the accomplishment of it. So maybe even according to those that say mitzvah, they ain't called kavanah. Many of the achronim believe by kriyachmar, at least for the first part of kushma, there is a din of mitzvah tzrichot kavanah. The whole nature of this mitzvah is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. And since that's the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, you would only be able to do that if you were mitzkavein to do that. You can't have a case where you have no kavanah and you do it. There's no just maisa, there's no just action over here. The only action is the kiyom, which is the kiyom shebelev, that you accept Hashem as the God. And therefore, even if you believe mitzvot ain't tzrichot kavanah generally, over here you would believe by Shema that you would have tzrichot kavanah. Now in terms of broadly with other mitzvot, that machloket, is a machloket when we say mitzvot tzrichot kavanah, does that only apply to mitzvot de'oraita, Torah level mitzvot, or does it also apply to mitzvot de'rabanan? There are many believe, including the Magen Avram, even if you think that mitzvot tzrichot kavanah throughout the Torah, nevertheless, that only applies to mitzvot ben Torah. Mitzvot de'rabanan will not require kavanah. How much do we need kavanah for? The Gemara will discuss in one second. Mara says, Tarabanan, Kriyachma chiktava divei rabbi. Rabbi says you have to read Kriyachma the way it's written, in Hebrew. Chumim say you can say Kriyachma in any language that you understand. So my time at the rabbi, Amarkra v'hayu. Pasuk says, v'hayu advarim ha'ila, v'hayu is the guard darshans in many places, v'hayatan yuhu. They will be exactly as they are. Exactly as they are means the way it's written in the Torah. It's written in Hebrew. Therefore, you got to read it in Hebrew. On the other hand, the Chachamim say, You must listen. You must hear. That's only the case when you can understand what you're hearing. So any language that you understand, that's fine. So doesn't Rabbi also have the word Shema, which seems to imply that you can do it in any language? that he needs that you have to hear what you're saying. It's not enough just to read Kriyachma in your heart. You must actually say the words loud enough that you yourself can hear them. They hold like the Mandamar that if you didn't hear what you said, you're still Yotzei the Mitzvah of Kriyachma. Well, for the Rabbanan, they had the same problem the other way around, which is that they also have the word Vayu, and uh, Rabbi's drush of Rabbi Yatan Yu is pretty good. 
So it says, They need that to teach you that you may not read it out of order. Kriyachma must be read in the proper order, the order that is written. You can't mix up the psukim, move them around, and you can't even mix up the paragraphs necessarily. It has to be written in order. And that's what Vahayu means. The way they're found, that's the way you do it. So Rebbe, How does Rabbi know that you can't read it retroactively, meaning out of order? So Because it says, so it could have just said Vayu Dvarim. Why does it say Hadvarim? Hadvarim means these things in this way. So that's why we know it's Ma'akiv to have the order. Rabbanan Dvarim Hadvarim Lo Darshi. They don't think that extra hay is so meaningful, and therefore they're not Doreshit. So Agmar says, let's infer from this, Lamemra, to Savar Rabbi, to Chola Torah Kula, to Chola that the Torah is written in all the languages. Hashem gave the Torah at Sinai, gave it in all the languages available. If you think that it was given in Hebrew, then Vayu Dichtiv Rachman Olamali. Then why do I need Vayu? And the paragraph is Shema to tell me that that I must read in Hebrew. Well, if the only language the Torah was given in was Hebrew, then that's the only language you can read it in. So it's true. And I says, no, we need that Mishum Dichtiv Shema, because the Pasuk says Shema. So you have competition here between the word Shema, saying that saying in any language, and Vahiyu to say it only in Hebrew. So the Vahiyu over here, even though the rest of the Torah is only written in Hebrew, and there's no reason to believe that you shouldn't write it in Hebrew because of the Tzivoy of Shema here, you would think you wouldn't have to, but you comes to say that that's not the case. So now Gemara goes the other way. The memory the Savi Rabban on the Chol Torah Kula B'Lashon Hakodesh Nemra that the whole Torah is written in Hebrew. Because if you think that it was written in any language, Shma Dichtav Rachman Alomali, then why do I need a specific Sivui by Shma to tell me? that I can say it in any language. If the whole Torah is given in any language, then the same should be true by Shema. I don't need a specific dispensation by Shema. Where says, no, it's trich, mishum Because over here, again, we have a mitigating factor, which is v'hayu, like the way Rabbi Darshan's it, would have made us think maybe it's different over here. So Shema comes to offset that factor, and because it comes to offset the factor, you can't conclude anything else about the rest of the Torah. What's interesting here is this opinion that the rest of the Torah is written in Bechol Lashon. What does that mean it's written in Bechol Lashon? What type of implications does that have that it's written in Bechol Lashon? So Rashi of Megillah says that's for Kriyat Torah. When you have Kriyat Torah, you have to read it in Hebrew or you can read it in any language depending on this argument over here. Tosafot says, I don't understand that because Kriyat Torah was only Nitkan much later on. It was only put into place by Ezra. Now, the Gemara over there talks about whether Moshe put certain things in place and Ezra only rectified or changed it a little bit. Thus was saying that it didn't come into much later that they had this Kriyat Torah. And that means, what did you darshan with the word Vahayu until that point in time? What does it mean that Bechol Lashon Nemra until that point in time? Thus it says that there's certain requirements to read paragraphs in the Torah. Parshat Amalek, Parshat Bikurim, Parshat Vidui Maser. These are all requirements of Parshiot that must be read. And since they must be read, the question is, do they have to be read in Hebrew, or can they be read in any Lashon? So this Gemara here is suggesting that maybe the whole Torah was said, Bechol Lashon Nemrah, would mean that you could read these required paragraphs from the Torah, you could read them in any language that you wanted. Now we're continuing in the Gemara. Dan Rabbanan, this is a Breitah, Vahayu. The word Hayu comes to teach us, Shaloi Yikra that you may not read it out of order, similar to what we saw the Chachamim Darshan on the word Vayu before. Then, Hadvarim al-Livavecha. So we know the Pasuk says, Vayu Advarim ha'ele ha'sha anochi mitzavacha yom al-Livavecha. Yechol te'ei kol ha'pasha tzricha kavana. I would think that the entire paragraph, meaning the whole paragraph of Shema, would require a kavana intent. Tamad Omar ha'ele. It says, Vayu Advarim ha'ele. Only these. Adkan tzricha kavana. Until this point you need kavana. Mikan ve'elech, en tzricha kavana. From this point forward, you do not need Karavana, Divrei Rabbi Eliezer. That is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. It's actually here, Machluk Adrash and Tosafot, what it means, Ha'ela. It says, Until when do you need to say, Kriyat Shema and have Kavana? Tosafot says, is referring to Eled, the things that came beforehand. That means that you have to say Shema, and then, Avahafta through Me'odecha B'Kavana. After that, you don't need Kavana. Adehan Rashi says, Vayu Advarim Ha'ela, is prospective. It's going on the remainder of that puzzle. These things, So until you get to Levavecha, until there you need Kavana. Beyond that point, you do not need Kavana. So according to Rashi, the first three psukim need Kavana. That's Shema, Vahafta, and then Vayu. But it's going to Tosafot, it's only the first two psukim according to the realizers that need Kavana, which is Shema Yisrael, and Vahafta. Wait a minute. It says here, sounds like everything has to be on your heart. The remainder of Shema has to be on your heart. 
We cannot tell the mage, that the entire parsha of Ve'ahavta requires Kavanah. That you need kavanah not only for Shema, but for the entire first paragraph until So that's one brayta and psalkalocha on that brayta. Some say this memra of Rabbi Barchanan, Rabbi Yochanan on this brayta. Person who's reading Shema has to have intent, has to have kavanah. As long as he has kavanah for the first parak, meaning the whole sh- the Shema part of it, then he's fine. Amar Rabbi Barchana, Rabbi Yochanan, Locha, Kirav Acha, Shemar Mishum Rabbi Yehuda. So the Locha is like Rabbi Acha, who says the name of Rabbi Yehuda, which is the same opinion that we saw in Rabbi Akiva before. It's unclear as to where they said the Locha is like, but in the, both instances comes to the same conclusion, which is you need kavanah through the entire first paragraph. So now the Gemara brings Tanya Idach. We have additional bright to give us opinions about this. Vehayu. May not read out of order. Until this point is the din of kavanah. From there forward, you only have to read it. You don't have to have kavanah. Just so you know, when we say ad means for the entire first paragraph. It means you need kavanah for shema. For vayam shema, you do not require shema. You only have to read it. For the first paragraph, for Shema, you do not need any Kavanah. In Vayam Shema, you do require Kavanah. Where it says, okay, let's understand this. Why is it by Vayam Shema that Rav Zutra says that you only have to read it, you don't have to have Kavanah? Because it says in Vayam Shema, the Daber Bom. So that the Daber Bam teaches you that you just have to be Dibur. Dibur is sufficient. So Hachanami, well, isn't that true in the first paragraph? And Shema also active. In it says over in the first paragraph in Shema, which is Vishinam Tovanecha Bidibar Tabam. Sounds like you just have to speak about them. So Hachikamar. So let's rephrase what we meant in Rav Zutra's position. Adkan Mitzvah Kanabana You're right. There is a Mitzvah of Kriya even for Shema also. But there there's an additional Mitzvah of Kavanah. Mikan there you can read it, and you don't require Kavanah in that instance. So both Shema and Vayim Shema have a mitzvah of Kriya. Only Shema, the first paragraph, has a mitzvah of Kavanah as well. Mar says, okay, let's understand that. Why is it until that point you have a mitzvah of Kavanah Kriya? Because it says in Shema, Al-Levavecha means you have to put them out your heart, you have to have Kavanah. And then it says to speak about them. So you have Al-Levavecha and Dibartabam. So Hatam Nami, you have the same thing in Vayayim Shemoa. It also has a requirement that you place them on your heart. So you have the same Sukim that are indicating that it should be Kavanan Kriya as well. So it says, no, in the second paragraph, in Vayayim Shemoa, we have a different Limud that we use for Adavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavav
In the first paragraph, Shema, you require Kavana and Kriya. In the second paragraph, Vayim Shemo, requires Kavana, but no Kriya. Umayishnad Khan Mitzvah Kriya Vekavana. So why is it that Shema requires both of them? Because it says, Alav Avecha and Vidibar Taba. So Atonami, in the second paragraph, Vayim Shemo, you have the same thing. Aktiv Alav Avchem, Ledaber Bam. When it says, How would Divrei Torah Aktiv? When it says Ledaber Bam, it's not referring to Vayim Shemo, it's referring to Divrei Torah Bechla. This is what the Torah is saying to you. Teach your children Torah so that they should speak in Torah. So he says, Teach this Torah to your children so that they will speak in Torah. That will be their conversation. That will be what they are interested in and that's what they engage in. The Daber Bam is not saying about Vayim Shoah itself but rather about Divrei Torah Bichlal. Pasuk itself seems to indicate that because it says That's the, to teach them that Torah. So that'll be the difference. So in the end, both Rav Zutra and Rav Yoshia believe that Shema requires Kriya and Kavana. The Machokat is what's required. According to Rav Zutra, you only require Kriya, Bavayim Shema. And according to Rabbi Yoshia, you require just Kavana and no Kriya, Bavayim Shema. Right, Tanar Banan. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Ad Kan Tzricha Kavana Talev, Divi Rabbi Meir. Meir says that's the only part you need Kavana for is that first Pasuk. So Amarava Halocha to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi says Halocha is like Rabbi Meir. As Tosfo points out, Rava is a Batra. If Rava is a Batra, then Hachiyochata. That we Paskan like Rava, that you only need Kavana for the first Pasuk in Kriyachma. Tanya Sumchos Omer Ko Marich Bechad Merchin Lo Yamavush Notav. Anybody who extends the word Echad in Shema, that will extend his life and give him quality of days. So Amaravacha Reyakov Ubedalit. That when you extend the word echad, it should be focused on the dalit at the end. So Ravashi will actually yachtov bechet. In order to extend the dalit, you shouldn't be cutting short the chet. So you have to say the chet fully and properly. Ravashi says you shouldn't say the chet with a chataf or a chataf patach. Say it with the comments that's supposed to be there an extended chet, and then the dalit will extend beyond that. So Rav Yirmiyah v'yotiv kamei derabchir ba'avu. Yirmiyah was sitting by Rabchir ba'avu. Chazi davu marich tuva. Say what's going on for an extended period of time. I'm like kevin dam lichtele malu lamato. Once you have coronated God, accepted his yoke as the king, in the heavens and in the earth, into the four directions, you don't need any more than that. I mean, that. You don't have to extend that. Echad shouldn't go on forever. It's just enough time for you to, in your mind, think about the fact that your in and to the four directions of the earth. Beyond that, you don't need to extend it. All right, now the Gemara continues. Amar of Natan bar Maruk, Amar of Yehuda, Alav Avecha, Bamida. You have to say those words standing up. So Amar says, "What do you mean, Alav Avecha, Sakadatcha? Why would you have to stand up for those words?" Ela Ema Ad Alav Avecha, Bamida. You must stand until that point in Shema. You can't be Alechlo. From that point forward, you do not need to stand up. So Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Kol Parsha Kula Bamida. The entire first paragraph is said standing up. As the Rabbi Yochanan Tamei, Rabbi Yochanan is consistent with his opinion that we saw above before, which is Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan Alach Kravacha. Shamar Shumar Yehuda, or Halacha Rabbi Yekiva that we saw above, that they think the halacha is that you need Kavana for the entire first paragraph. So this is Rabbi Yochanan the Shita Te. As far as what does it mean to stand up, we just learned before in the first parak that Beit Hillel says that you can do it you can do it any way you want. So why do you have to stand up? So Rashi and Tosafot both mention over here, the Amidah that we're talking about here is to stand still. For someone who is walking on the derech, even though technically you're allowed to say to Vilech Techobederach, in order to have proper Kavana, a person should stand still. And that's what the Gemara is discussing here. How long should a person stand still in order to have Kavana and then move forward? One opinion is until Alevavecha. You have to have Kavana until that point in time. And that's where you have to stay stationary for. After that, you can continue to walk. On the other hand, you have Rabbi Yochanan's opinion, which is that you have to stay stationary for the entire first paragraph because you need Kavana for that entire first paragraph of Shema. Alright, This is an important factor. This is something that we mentioned again in our introduction to Brachot about what is the mitzvah of Kriyachma. So over here we have Tanar Banan. That was the Kriyachma of Yehuda Nasi. That's all he said. Which implies that that's the only mitzvah in the Torah that is found in Kriyachma. So Amalei Rav, the Rabchia, Rav, who we know was a Talmud of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi of Rabbi, so he said to Rabchia, who was his, his uncle, Lo chazino le the Rabbi de I don't see Rabbi stopping to say Kriyachma any time. He's teaching us throughout the morning. He's not saying, it's missing the whole Zman Kriyachma. Amalei Bar Pachte, he said to Rav, you, the Ben Gdolim, the son of great ones, the son of Talmud Chachamim, Shashim Avir Panav, when he moves his hand across his face, so it looks like he's scratching himself, looks like he's moving his hand on his eyes for a second to think. When he does that, he says Shema in that time. That's how he's Mechabal Omachut Shemaim. The Tabina Rayona mentioned something interesting over here. They say that the Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim over here 
relates to the Chet. The Chet has the two Zions, it's connected by a roof on top. And they say that that relates to the Kabbalat Omachut Shemayim Va'aret, acceptance of Hashem as the king on the Shemayim and Aretz. And then the Dalit is for the Dalit Ruchot Olam. And that's how you get to these six items. So that's why you have to Yumarich and the Chet a little bit. And then the Dalit uh, for a little bit more to get the four directions. Some people say that it's all in the Dalit, all six directions. So you have Kavanah should come out in the Dalit while Yumarich and the Dalit. The other thing he notes is that his Rebbe, Urbana Yonah, had a belief or a minog that he used to move his eyes around to the directions in which he was his eyes upwards, downwards, to the sides, and to the other side, in order to indicate that they're but in a quiet way. And then he says is why Rabbi put his hand over his eyes in order to say Shema. Put his hand over his eyes in order to say Shema so that when he moved his eyes around it wouldn't be noticeable that he was doing that and in his Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim. So therefore he covered his eyes. Other Rishonim say the reason he covered his eyes is for Kabbalah, the same way that that when he was walking, we say Amidah, that he has to stop, stand still, in order to say Shema. So too, when it comes to Shema, you may want to cover your eyes in order to increase the Kavanah, that you're not looking around, you're not distracted while you're saying Shema, because that's the area that you really need to have Kavanah for. Does he later on go back and finish off Shema, or is that it? He just says Shema Yisrael, he's done. Barakabar says that's it, he doesn't go back and say any more of it. His son says that that you do go back and finish it off. So Barakavar says to Shim and the son of Rabbi, then I say you don't go back and plead it. That's why Rabbi during his year would always try to come across something that talked about or spoke about Yitzhak Mitzrayim in order to be Yotze. The din of Yitzhak, mentioning Yitzhak Mitzrayim, you can't be Yotzeh, that was Shema So he went out of his way to say some Memra that involved Yitzhak Mitzrayim. If you're the one who says that he goes back and finishes off Kriyat Shema later, well, the value of finishing off later is that he also has Yitzhak Mitzrayim mentioned. Why did he try during his year to get to some topic of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? The answer is to say Yitzhak Mitzrayim in the same Zman as Kriyat that the Zman for Kriyat Shema is also the Zman for Yitziat Mitzrayim, which seems strange. Because we know why Bishma Bayim Shemoah have a din of limited time in the morning, because it says, Ushach B'chol Kumecha. The definition is not day, it's Uv Kumecha. But that's not true by Yitziat Mitzrayim. It's the entire day. There's no limitation. So I hear does the Gemara have this limitation that Yitziat Mitzrayim should only apply during the time that it's Zman Kriyat Shema. This goes back again to what we saw in the Rambam, what we mentioned earlier, that the Rambam thinks that all three parshiyot, Shema, Vayim, Shema, Vayom, are a part of Kriyat Shema. And why is that? And that is because I heard from uh, Rabbi Sachs in the name of Rabbi Soloveitchik that Shema is the Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim, and Yitziat Mitzrayim is the acknowledgement that Hashem is the Mashkiach Ba'olam. So there are two separate parts of Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim. There's a recognition of God as the creator of the world, the all-powerful, the one who is above and directs everything, but there's also an acknowledgement, and that's what Yitzhak Mitzrayim does, is the acknowledgement that Hashem has not only created the world, but He is the Manhiga Olam. So they're like the difference between the Hashem of Breshit versus the Hashem of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Hashem of Masei Breshit is the Hashem is the creator of the world. Hashem Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the one who is Mashkiach in the Olam, even after it was created. And therefore there is a link between the Shema Vayem Shemoa and Vayomer. And that link must be kept together because in the context of Kabbalah Tomah Chuchimayim, it's not enough to say Shema Yisrael Hashem Akeim Hashem Achad. You also have to have the acknowledgement of Yitziat Mitzrayim to show that Hashem is still and is actively Mashkiach in the Olam. And that's why there might be a requirement for Mitziat Mitzrayim Bizmana, Bizmana meaning during the Zman of Kriyat Shema. And also might be the explanation why the Rambam thinks that there are three paragraphs, Shema Vayim Shalom and Tzitzit, Yitziat Mitzrayim, are wrapped together as the mitzvah of Kriyat because they are inexorably linked together. And again, as I mentioned earlier in this year, that might be the reason that we say Yitziat Mitzrayim at night. When I mention Yitziat Mitzrayim at night, because it might be part of the Kabbalat Olam HaChut It's not just the mitzvah of Yitziat Mitzrayim, it's also a part of the mitzvah of Kabbalat Olam HaChut And therefore, even though there may not be a mitzvah at night to mention Yitziat Mitzrayim, there may be a mitzvah mitzad Kabbalat Olam HaChut to mention Yitziat Mitzrayim at night, and that's why the Rambam might require all three paragraphs at night as well. So, Amar Abila, Breder of Shmuel Bar Marta, Mishmed the Rav, Amar Shmai Yisrael Hashem Akim Hashem Echad, Venenas B'Sheina Yatsa. Person says the first pasuk, and then he dozes off. Now, dozes off here doesn't mean he literally dozes off, but mitnam name. His head is bobbing. He's starting to fall into a sleep. 
So therefore, if you got the first pasuk in with full kavanah, he's fine. Samari Rav Nachman the Daru Abde the Pesuka Kamo. He said to Daru his servant in the first pasuk when we're saying Shema Tzaron Tveilot Tzaron, bother us and make sure that we're awake fully for the first pasuk. After that, we start to doze off or we're starting to lose it a little bit. Don't worry about it. Samari Rav Yosef the Rav Yosef prayed to Rabbo Avuch Hechava Avid. What did your father do? Amalei Pesuka Kamo Hava Kam Tzaron Nafshei. For the first pasuk, he ensured that he stayed up and that he was wide awake for it and had kavanah. After that, he did not force himself. Someone who is. Now, we've seen this before, the word pirkadan over here. The Rishonim most all agree that pirkadan means laying on your back. There is an alternative brought down in the Aruch that pirkadan means lying flat on your belly. Tosavot in Bababatra shows from the stories of Rabbi Barchanan, he also mentioned it in Nida as well, that Pirkadan means to lay on your back. So laying on your back is improper. Generally, we think the problem is because your aver might rub up against the sheets and that might cause some sort of chimum. Rashi says that chimum might be embarrassing because then other people will see it and it'll be exposed. But some of the other Rishonim say it's just a problem of being shofech shikwadzele batala. So we don't want to say that. And plus, the problem is Pirkadan is a problem of gaiva. To lay on your back and to become a machutshamayim is a problem of God that we don't want you saying Krishna like that. So the Gemara says here, Mikrahu You're not allowed to read Shema like this. Shapir It sounds like you can sleep like that. And I just mentioned before that the Gemara's in other places say you're not allowed to sleep like that. He cursed people who laid in that manner. Nothing to do with Krishna. When you're sleeping, if you tilt your body slightly over to the side, that is sufficient. But Mikra Afagav Damatsli Nami Asur. When it comes to saying Kriyachma, if you tilt yourself to the side a little bit, that's not sufficient. Mar says, Rabbi Yochanan Matzli He used to do that. He used to tilt his body a little to the side and then he would read Kriyachma. Says, Shaini Rabbi Yochanan Devar Basar Avo. Yochanan's different because he was overweight. He was extremely heavy. He was a big person. Since he was such a big person, it was hard for him to roll all the way over to his side or to move over his side. So if he tilted himself in that direction, that was sufficient. So now the Gemara talks about our Mishnah on the Machlok between Rabbi Meir and Yehuda about where you're allowed to interrupt in Shema. Rabbi here is just going to clarify the position of Rabbi Meir, because Rabbi Meir's position seems to be redundant in the Mishnah, which is, Meishiv Machmat Mai. Who do you respond to? Ilami Pnei you can respond by someone who you owe kavod to. Hashemishu Shai, he already said that you're allowed to ask, you're allowed to greet someone who you have to have give kavod to. Adurimi Bai, you have to tell me that he can respond to them? It would imply that he's allowed to greet someone who he has to give kavod to. And he can respond to anybody. So, Ema Sefer. Now, what about the Sefer? It says there, you can ask because of Ira. If you have Ira, you can greet someone. And you're allowed to respond to. Respond to who? What was he, who's he responding to? He's responding to someone that he's fearful of. If he can greet someone out of fear, then he certainly can respond to them out of fear. And rather, no, it means that he can ask meaning that he can be greet because of the Yirab, and then he can meshiv and he can answer mikavod. You know what you've just done? I know the Rabbi Yehuda. He just created Rabbi Yehuda. The Tanan, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, you basically created Rabbi Yehuda. If that's the way you explain Rabbi Meir in order to get out of this problem, what Rabbi Meir is saying, Meir is saying that you're allowed to greet and then answer. Well, answer is obvious. Once you can greet, of course you can answer. So why do you answer must be something else? Well, when you make it something else, it turns Rabbi Meir into Rabbi Huda, and that can't be. So Meir says, no, you have to understand, the Mishnah is missing words, and this is what you have to do. So the words, are added in here to say it's obvious. So you're allowed to greet Rabbi Meir, and obviously, that means that you can respond because of the Kavod. In the middle of the paragraphs, you can greet because of Yirah, and certainly you can respond. When you're in between, in the middle of the paragraphs, you're allowed to greet because of fear and respond to a greeting to someone you owe kavod. In between the paragraphs, you can greet someone that you're supposed to give kavod to. And you can respond to a greeting from anybody. That supports that understanding of our Mishnah. Someone's reading Shema and his Rebbe shows up. Oh, Gadol Emenu, or someone greater than him. But Prokim, if he's in between Shu'el Mipnei HaKavod, then he's allowed to greet him. Certainly he can respond to them. If he's in the middle of Kriyat Shema, Shu'el Mipnei he's allowed to greet them because of Yirah. Of course he can respond to that someone out of fear. Divrei Rabbi Meir. He's in the middle of the paragraphs, he's allowed to greet out of fear. Then he's allowed to respond out of honor. And if he's in between the paragraphs, he's allowed to greet because of someone that he owes honor to. 
Meshim shalom nechol adam, and he's allowed to respond b'shalom to any person. One thing I want to note here is an important Tosafot. Tosafot here says, what we were talking about here are greetings. What you're allowed to interrupt Kriyachma in terms of greeting of lay people. question that Tosafot has, what happens if the Tzibor hits Kadesh or Kedusha while you're in the middle of Shema? Are you allowed to interrupt your Shema in order to answer the Kadesh or the Kedusha? Or to Modim, all these different things. Are you allowed to respond when you're in the middle of Kriyachma? So Tosafot says, we have here a machloka between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, halacha ki Rabbi Yehuda. And according to halacha Rabbi Yehuda, even in the Emtza, you're meshiv kavod, you can respond to a greeting even out of kavod, out of honor. And if that's the case, then why is the kavod Hashem any less than the kavod Adam? If you can respond to someone because of kavod Adam, why can't you respond to Kaddish and Kedusha and Modim because of kavod Shamayim? The Tamir of note that maybe here there's a havamina that it shouldn't be that way because over here, you're speaking the Hashem. You're speaking about the praises of Hashem. Maybe you shouldn't have to respond because you're doing you don't leave one praise to go to another praise. So the Ari Rishonim believe that you do not interrupt in these cases. But Rova Rishonim, including Tosafotir, that the Benariona say you do interrupt Shema for Kaddish, Kedusha, and Modim to respond to these items because just like you respond for Kavod Adam, even in the middle of Shema, so too you respond to these items even in the middle of Shema. The Tamir Yon will point out, when you respond, we only respond in the short form. So that means in Kaddish, you're responding Amen, or Amen Yehesh Rabbah, that's fine. You can say any of those things, those are very short form. By Kedusha, you can answer whether it's Kadosh Kadosh, Baruch Vod Hashem, Imloch, those are short things, you can do that. Moldim is an extremely long paragraph to put in, in the middle of your Shema. And it might even turn out to be interruption, it may not be necessary. And therefore the Tamir Yon say that, when you respond to Modim, you just have to say the first couple words. You say Modim and Achnolach. And the first couple words, Modim and Achnolach, and then you stop. You don't say the entirety of Modim. Now, all of this is true in Kriyat Shema. This is not true in Shmonesri. When it comes to Shmonesri, you do not have that dispensation because you're not allowed to respond to anybody in Shmonesri. So, too, you will not interrupt for any of these items when you're in the middle of Shmonesri. And you stand there, according to Tosvot, and listen. And therefore, like, for instance, if in the middle of Shmonesri they got to Modim, You'll bow down along with them for modim, but you won't say anything. Because you're in the middle of Shemona Esrei, you don't have a right to interrupt for one of those items. We'll deal later on in the Gemara what you do, whether you stand still and listen, or you can continue davening. question about how Shomea Ka'one works. When you stand there and listen, how does that function, and how it functions have implications in terms of what you do when you're in Shemona Esrei. But nevertheless, when you're in Shemona Esrei, you don't actively respond to these items, and if you hit modim, you just bow down, but you don't say anything. But you're in the middle of Shemona Esrei. And again, we mentioned in the beginning of the Mesechta that just like here we have a machloket about the extent of the Kavanah that one requires, there's also a machloket about what Kriyachma is, Minat Torah. The two might correlate with each other. It might be the, that if you think that Shema Minat Torah is only Shema Yisrael, Shema Kenu that that might be the only area that you need Kavanah. On the other hand, if you believe that the whole first paragraph is Kriyachma Minat Torah, maybe the whole thing requires Kavanah. So again, the two might be correlated. They don't have to be correlated. Uh, but I'm just mentioning it again. It seems to be here, like Rabbi's statement, we only say Shema Yisrael, Shema Kenoshem Echad, during this man indicates that that, the mitzvah in Torah, according to Rabbi, of Shema. Okay, we'll stop over here.